For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Howard David Live. We welcome in Steve Ashburner of NBA.com. When I was watching the Celtic game the other night, Steve, towards the end of the game, uh, you know, this is after Harden hit the three in the corner. First of all, I couldn't believe that Jalen Brown left him to double-team Embiid, and it turned out to be a bad move. But equally as bad was I just didn't understand why Missoula didn't call a timeout after that. I mean, he gave a he gave an explanation, but I I just didn't make didn't make any sense. I'm with you, Howard. Now you know. Let's let's have some uh, context on Joe Mazzulla. He came in as a rookie head coach this uh, this season, and early on, people noticed that he would let obvious timeout situations uh, just go right by him. Um, and you know, it's one thing. Um, for Phil Jackson to do that when he's going to have Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen figure things out or have Kobe and Shaq, you know, solve the problems right there in real time. But with this Celtics team, they're still young. They're still developing. He's young. He's developing. Um, going into a huddle might be, you know, a, a good way for all of them to take another step. And, and so over the course of the season, there was criticism about that questions, certainly, and it seemed like, okay, he, he, he'd gotten over that little hump, but you're exactly right. I mean, there were 19 seconds when Harden's shot went through the net. He had two timeouts left. All right. What they did is they turned that unnecessarily into a last second desperate three point attempt, even though right. they were down by one and the shot was too late. It didn't count. The, the red lights ran. Um, all you do, you take a time out there, right? Look, I mean, he knows more about coaching, um, you know, and, and in his little finger than I know. But casual NBA fans understand. You take a timeout. You advance the ball. You draw up a play. You go for two points, right? Attack the basket. You know, they say the referees are going to swallow their whistles at the very end of the game. This wasn't the very end. You know, there still was, was time to force some action. Um, if you score, now you're in the lead and the circumstances flip if you don't score there's time to foul worst thing that happens philadelphia makes two free throws now you're down three you still have a timeout you call it advance the ball now maybe there's eight or ten seconds left and you do 
what they determined they were going to do from the time there were 19 seconds left, and then they were slow about it anyway yep. and couldn't get the shot off in time. Horrible, horrible uh, late game management. And he kind of acknowledged this. You know, when when Boston found itself in the predicament at the end of game one with um, Al Horford out on an island out top against James Harden, and Harden made the shot, you know, um, he was asked about it. And then when they came, Celtics came back in one game two, after that press conference, Missoula was a little bit haughty and kind of mocked the reporters as he walked off the uh, the podium uh, saying, you know, nobody's going to ask me about my adjustments from game uh, one to game two. And, you know, it's sort of like, oh, okay. Well, at least this time when he talked with the, the media yesterday, um, that chip was off his shoulder. He acknowledged that, yeah, you know what? Uh, maybe yep. um, I should have called a, a timeout. And, you know, he, uh, he likes to use the term hindsight is 2020. And it's a, it's a cliche. It's frequently used. But people do it in real time. It wasn't a matter of, well, had Smart hit that shot and the, air, the ball been in the air when those red lights went on and Boston would have elevated to a victory, that nobody would have talked about that play with hindsight. They would have talked about his decision to not take a timeout in, in just basic terms. It, it didn't have to go their way or not go their way to become an issue. It was an issue. And, you know, hopefully, I mean, I even hate to say that he'll learn from that because, you know, Joe Missoula in high school probably would have thought, you know, or at least been capable of understanding that you take a time out there. You got two of them. They don't go home with you. Um, you're down by one point. I see so many teams these days, they'll, they'll work for three pointers. And maybe that's because that's the offense that they hone in practice uh, or, and in games all season long. But if you're down by one point, why are you, you even drawing up a, a three point shot? I mean, right. your percentages are so much lower. It makes no sense. That's one of the ways in which I think the league has gone um, three-point crazy. And it and it's not just sometimes very unentertaining to watch. It's often confounding in a situation like that. You're completely right. He's Steve Ashburner of NBA.com. As the play's unfolding, you know, like an idiot, I'm sitting there watching and I'm screaming at the TV. Why don't you take a timeout? I mean, particularly you got... Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, two guys that go to the basket as well as anybody. Yeah. So, you know, all the all the positive things can happen. You're going to make a basket or you're going to get fouled or both. Right. And now you're sitting in the driver's seat. Now, let's just say the Celtics wind up losing this series. They're going to look back on game four as a game they let get away because oh. they'd be going, they would be going to Philadelphia tonight with a three to one lead. Instead, it's two two. Philly right now is in a very good position. Look, uh, I have a lot of respect for James Harden and, and for Joel Embiid, the, the current MVP. So if you're de defending these guys, I mean, those are the only two guys you got to worry about. Those are the guys that are going to wind up making the play at the end to win the game. Same thing with Brown and Tatum. Uh, it just, I, I, it's, I sit there and I watch it. And look, I don't like to second-guess coaches. So I'm not about doing it here. I'm just saying that the obvious play was to call a timeout. This is not a reach. 
Right. Yeah. I mean, this was evident, you know, most time what these guys uh, do or don't do, you know, it's sort of, I, I, I don't even grasp the first two or three layers of it. And there's usually, you know, seven or eight layers, but this is pretty simple. Most folks at home, you know, would have expected, oh, here comes another commercial because here comes a timeout. And uh, lo and behold, nope. And you're right. I mean, pivotal game, at least the Celtics are home tonight. They'll be home for a game seven if it goes to that. But um, it shouldn't It shouldn't have to happen. They should be up 3-1, able to close out tonight in their own building. And uh, they have to They have to hope like heck and play like heck um, with the idea that, that uh, they have to advance or this is going to uh, define at least their postseason. Steve, let's, let's talk about last night. Um, it, it looked like Golden State had a pretty good grasp on things. They were, I think that at one point they were up 12. Uh, and the Lakers, the Lakers just looked out of sorts uh, for whatever the reason. Uh, I, look, I think LeBron, I'm, I'm in the minority. I like LeBron James. There seems to be this popular consumption that there's this bitterness towards him all around the country. I don't feel that way. I think he's a great player. And I, I like what comes out of his mouth, particularly when it comes to dealing with his son as the first member of his family to go to college. <laughs> that was that was very that was very touching, but here's LeBron James uh, pounding the dribble, pounding the dribble, pounding the dribble, and everything is going away. And the lead now has gotten to twelve, but all of a sudden, uh, the fourth quarter comes, and we're introduced to uh, a guy who's basically been taken out of the rotation, Lonnie Walker the fourth, and he almost outscored Golden State by himself in the fourth quarter. I think he had 15 points, and the Warriors had 17 points in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I mean, that, that was a great performance by a guy that uh, is not one of your primetime players. But <laughs> what do you think is going to happen come July when his contract expires? Where do you think the Lakers are going to go with this guy? Oh, you know, I mean, I think obviously he's made himself into a uh, an instant um, folk hero, uh, you know, among Laker fans. Um, by July, I mean, heck, already his uh, his name has been amended. He's he's Lonnie Walker, the fourth quarter uh, right now. So, you know, it's um, uh, I mean, it, it's tremendous. I mean, I think most teams would love to have a guy that they could call on like that out of the blue. And he comes in and he provides that level of spark. Usually, um, you know, this time of year, we're wondering where clearly proven veterans go when it's time to uh, to step up, as they say. And we don't often see that from, from guys uh, who are, you know, much longer track records. But um, I think that was, that was a fun part of that game, um, you know, even if you weren't a Laker fan. Now, if you were a Warriors fan, there was no fun part of that game. Uh, once that 12-point lead started to, uh, to evaporate. Steph Curry, you know, uh, got sat down. I mean, he has to get some rest. And it wasn't just the lead that started to dwindle. It was the momentum, momentum that, that, that shifted right there. So, yeah, I, I'm surprised at both ends of this series. I, I'm surprised by Golden State being down 3-1, to one, and equally as I'm surprised with the Lakers being up 3-1. to one. I thought this would be sort of a certain to go 2-2 two, two, and then sort it out from there. But um, – this Lakers team, uh, they're, you know, they're a different team than they were for the first half of the year, at least before that, that big trade. And, um, 
you know, uh, if, if the executive of the year award had been based only on the second half, I think Rob Palenka, you know, uh, would have been a top contender for it. You remember when Palenka was being criticized, uh, maybe it was a year ago, he was being criticized for this move, that move, and the other move. Well, all of a sudden, Hashimura becomes a vital part of their rotation. Yeah. Now we got Lonnie Walker that becomes a vital part of their rotation. Uh, look, he he didn't have, uh, Russell did not have a good game last night. I think he was one for 10 from the field, but he's also had some great moments during this series. So this roster has gotten deeper. And I said at the beginning of the playoffs, for anybody that would listen, I said the scariest team that's going into the playoffs are the Lakers because you've got two superstars. If they stay healthy, look out. Well, they stay, They have stayed healthy. Oh, one thing I got to ask you about this. Last couple of possessions by the Warriors, Steph Curry's got the ball. And who's guarding him? But Anthony Davis, yeah. right? Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, is this a good move? And the more I thought about it, I said, yeah. Because Curry's got to change his shot arc sure. going to the basket. Either that or he gets the ball out of his hands. You know, Steph Curry acknowledges the height difference. Um, the fact that he would have to change his uh, uh, his shooting angles. And, and he gives up the ball in hopes of getting it back. But nothing is guaranteed. So, um, yeah, a lot of times, you know, LeBron would take a guy like Steph. Like he used to take, you know. Derek Rose or whomever um, was the primary ball handler, John Morant when they played uh, Memphis, but um, Anthony Davis on Steph, uh, effective in its own right. So, yeah, that was uh, that was a nice little quirk. If I thought that that the Lakers had one thing to deal with at the beginning of the series was they were playing every other night, and you wonder if it was going to take its toll on Davis in particular and maybe LeBron James. But it hasn't, at least to this point. Well, you know, some people saw that as, uh, you know, somehow being connected to Anthony Davis's uh, up and down uh, performances uh, in the series, and even in the in the previous round, that you know every other every other game, um, you know, he would slump, and then he would have another good game, and then he would slump. I mean, I heard him referred to as EKG, you know, because of the <laughs> up and down nature, like a heartbeat, yeah. and. Um, but it didn't make sense to me because, all right, if you come in and you have a great game one because you've had a few days of rest, and then two days later you have a down game two because you didn't have quite as much rest. Well, by game three, you don't have any more rest than you just had for game two, and yet he would be up again. So, you know, it was a game, you know, wearing on him physically such that he couldn't do well two days later, except he would then do, do well two ways, two days later. So I wasn't I wasn't sure what it was. He seems to be past it now to a fair amount. Um, I know he had one big half and one not so big half. Um, but I, I think uh, what, calling to his attention, having coaches or teammates talk to him about it, uh, him internalizing some of that. I mean, this this is not a back-to-back, -back, you know, grinding time of year. And Playing other, every other day is not the worst uh, ask uh, possible. So I, I think that he's probably cleaned that up. If Just being aware of it is probably the first and, and, and biggest step. Yeah, I'm talking with Steve uh, Ashburner from uh, NBA.com. Steve, looking at last night's uh, Knicks-Miami Heat game, uh, look, Jimmy Butler has been outstanding. There's no two ways about it. Uh, 
but he's taken his game, I think, to another level. And he's carrying the team, and he's getting a lot of help from a lot of people. Let's face it, they're not a great three-point shooting team without Tyler Hero. Uh, Robinson gives him some punch from the three-point line. I, I give you that. But the way that Butler is playing at both ends of the court, what do you have, seven offensive rebounds last night? Is that, is that right? That doesn't, yeah. doesn't surprise me. Yeah, I mean, it, uh, he's you, you've got a Nick team that's, when you look at them, they're bigger, and you would think they would control the boards, but Robinson has been invisible. Uh, Randall has, has been disappointing for my money because he's one of the two main stars of this team, and he hasn't played like it. Now, Jalen mm-hmm. Brunson, uh, who I think is probably the best free agent signing the Knicks have had in the history of their franchise, uh, you know, he's holding up his end. But beyond that, they've been outworked. They've been out-hustled. And I'm going to even take it a step further. Steve, I think they've been out-coached. Yeah, well, I mean, I think you're probably right. I mean, I think Eric Spolster is widely considered the uh, the best coach uh, in in the NBA, you know, and, and because he's he's still pushing towards winning and stuff. But Greg Popovich is, has shifted into a uh, – you know, a downward arc, uh, possibly for a high draft pick this year. So he's taken himself a little bit out of that consideration. Obviously, the um, uh, the greatest, you know, career of of the active coaches. But um, Spolstra would seem to me the coach that opponents would fear facing the most. And a reward that the Heat got for upsetting the number one seed uh, in the first round, Milwaukee, is that they're going to play lesser teams. And the Knicks are clearly a lesser team than Milwaukee. Um, I think they're a lesser team than Miami. The Heat, they they play hard always. They play tough always. And even if it's not all that artful at times. And right now, they all know their roles. And and there's, there's not a lot of, uh, well, should we lean on Brunson more? Or should we lean on Randall more? And, you know, uh, where do, you know, where does, you know, quickly figure in and uh, it's, it's very clear cut with uh, Miami and that has allowed them, particularly with Tyler Hero out, knowing they're not going to have his points for the moment um, or have him, you know, needing the ball. It's very clear cut, you know, how they go about their business and uh, it streamlines things. And, you know, I'm not at all surprised by um, Miami having the upper hand in this, uh, in this series. Um yeah, I think this one is is all but over. Yeah, no, I would agree. Uh, you mentioned Milwaukee. Budenholzer gets fired. I had a couple of thoughts about that. Did he win a championship two years ago? Correct. So all of a sudden he's become stupid? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you, no, I, I understand that. Um, and you can't, you can't take uh, championship rings lightly. I mean, everybody tries to uh, do it. 29 of the teams fail. Oh, I don't know if we can use the word fail. Yanis might get upset, but um, you know, it's, it's that, that you have to respect the rings. Um, but there are people in and around that team who would, who would have told you that if Kevin Durant wore a one size smaller sneaker and his two pointer in that uh, seventh game against Brooklyn had been a three pointer because his toe wasn't on the line. Um, Budenholzer might've been gone after that playoff run. Um, you know, he, he, he and the Bucks won and everybody sort of cashed in, including himself with an extension. Um, but that didn't change materially, um, 
the cons in, in the in the weighing of pros and cons with Mike Budenholzer and that team, um, the cons were about adjustments. They were about um, winning in the regular season where you're playing teams randomly, seeing them one at a time. Now, you know, maybe twice in a row uh, versus four, five, six, seven games in a row where other teams can lock in on some of the things you do and take away certain things or become more comfortable facing those type of things, whether it's, you know, his defense or, or whatever. So um, playoff Budenholzer, I think was viewed as different from uh, regular season Budenholzer, even, even with the, uh, the championship on his side. So um, to me, the intriguing thing is, you know, where was Giannis Antetokounmpo in the process? Was he, did he sign off on the decision to replace the coach? Mm. Um, did he lobby for it before it even was on the table? I don't think that was the case. But if he wasn't consulted before the, the move was made, then the Bucks are really venturing into, uh, into choppy waters. Similarly, um, I got to think that he will be um, a voice when it comes to whomever it is they hire to replace Budenholzer. You don't just hire a coach, impose him on your superstar when you have one of the you know two or three best players in the league, and um, and then say, oh well, we'll see how that goes. No, you have to have some real sense of how that might might go. Now the player might say, look, I just play this game. I don't run the team. You make your decision, but you at least need to know that much. And uh, I think the Bucks needed to know that before they fired uh, Mike, and they they certainly need to know it before they hire the guy who uh, will replace him. Well, Nick Nurse gets fired in Toronto. His name has been bandied about about succeeding Budenholzer. Um, I guess he's considered a his guy's a good coach. He'd be considered a prime candidate. You got anybody uh, in your Rolodex that you think might be as good? <laughs> well, names I've heard tossed about include, uh, yes, uh, Nick Nurse, but also uh, Frank Vogel, uh -huh. who won the title with the Lakers uh, in the bubble and uh, was was soon jettisoned. Um, Mike D'Antoni is is a guy whose name has come up. That uh, uh -huh. it's a guy he plays fast. If he used Giannis as his center, say they decide to move on from from Brook Lopez or don't lock in. Um, at as high a price or as long with Lopez and, and as he, uh, you know, ages, you know, into his uh, later thirties, you know, use him in a, in a, in a backup or more limited role um, and play a different style with, uh, with Giannis. Um, that's a possibility. I'm not sure how they have the, the athletic ability that they need on that roster though. I mean, that was one of their shortcomings is they, they didn't have a lot of wing um, quickness and um, we'll see how that works out. Um, Middleton has a op player option for a ton of money for one more year. Um, but, you know, if, if he has a sense he doesn't figure in their long-term plans, he's got high mileage on him. He's been good for a long time, um, going back to his Detroit days. And, um, you know, they may say, well, we can't invest long-term in, um, in him, uh, given the wear and tear. So they face some big decisions and, uh, you know, the head coach, I think the one thing we have a sense of, it's going to be a head coach who has worked before and had some success in this league. Um, unless, unless an assistant like Charles Lee 
just like Darvin Ham last year, unless he is so treasured by Giannis that um, they don't want to lose him. But even at that, I mean, you have a team that's, that's a, a champion only two years removed and was the number one seed this past season. Um, that's a very clear window that's not going to stay open forever. Um, you, can, you can hire an un, uh, unproven young coach when it's time to start, you know, making over this, this team, but not right now. Yeah. You mentioned Darvin Ham. I'm glad you did. Uh, I think he's done an outstanding job. Uh, and there was question marks, you know, was he ready? Well, of course. So it's going to be a question mark. Well, I think he's proven uh, that he can handle the job. Uh, I, I mean, it might be a reach, but I said that the, the Lakers are the most dangerous team going into the, going into the, uh, the playoffs. What happens <laughs> if the Lakers wind up winning it all? All of a sudden, Darvin Ham is you know, put on everybody's shoulders and carried through the streets of LA, <laughs> you know, but no, him, the guy's done a very good job and I'm happy for him. I love what he said last night when he was asked about uh, Lonnie Walker and how he said that he was out of the rotation. He decided to put him back into the rotation and look, he got some time in game three and scored a dozen points, but he played last night like a guy who's been there before. So good for Darvin Ham. He pushed the right button. Let's face it, it's it's not an easy job. You're dealing with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, and they got their own thoughts, but he seems to have handled the job very well. Well, I mean, all these guys that that get LeBron James, it's a double-edged sword. Um, most coaches would be happy to uh to grab it, even if they're grabbing it by the blade rather than the handle, because you know, the what ultimately comes from that. Eric Spolstra, you know, there was friction with uh, LeBron James when you had that that uh, super friends team with Wade and and Bosch in the beginning, right. and um, you know Ty Lue uh, in in Cleveland with uh, with James and Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving. I mean, they won that title. He doesn't get a lot of credit for it, but he took that team to you know multiple finals with a championship. It earned him obviously the job he has with uh, with the Clippers, but um, you know so it, it's. Yeah, you, you know, it's a it's a volatile thing. Vogel won a title, got himself a ring with uh, with LeBron, and then got himself a pink slip. So, you know, Darvin Ham didn't get a lot of credit this season. Um, if they were to win, he might be in a position where he would get too much credit. Uh, when, I, when again, I, you know, he would have done a fine job, obviously, if they get to the finals, never mind win the whole thing. Yeah. You, can't, you can't have a team do that and the coach just be along for the ride. Um, but, you know, the, like I said before, the roster was made over and, um, you know, uh, with, with, you know, with uh, Westbrook out and, um, you know, some of the other changes, guys in, Jared Vanderbilt and Malik Beasley and a different role for Austin Reeves. Hachimura, I mean, he looks like he's now the lottery pick that he was supposed to be when Washington took him. Right. And, um, you know, those... Those kind of things. I mean, there's coaching, good for Darvin Ham. There's also just the right players at the right time. And most of all, there's James and Davis um, for now staying healthy. Let me ask you about the Phoenix-Denver uh, series. Denver got out quickly. They won the first two. Phoenix has responded by winning the last two. It goes to game five tonight. Uh, most people are talking about uh, Jokic and what a great... I mean, they had 53 the other night, but... Uh, Durant and Booker, uh, you know, trump that. Uh, 
People are talking about Jokic and shoving the Phoenix owner under the basket. Uh, he got he got fined, but should he have been suspended? I, I, personally, I don't think so. No, of course not. He should not have been suspended. Um, to me, the only better way to have adjudicated that would have been for Jokic to not be fined and for uh, the Phoenix owner to be fined. Um, you know, he had no business holding on to the ball like that. I think he knew what he was doing. Um, you know, Josh Okoji had fallen into the first row of fans and was slow about getting up. And Jokic wanted the ball to be able to trigger a five on four situation for the Nuggets. And the Phoenix owner held on to the ball, um, sort of forced the confrontation. I mean, I don't think he he flopped necessarily. He might have accentuated it by throwing up his hands, but you know, it was crowded there. And you had a big guy right next to you, and you at the back of your knees are at the edge of your seat. So any pressure on your upper half pushing back, you're gonna sit down. And that's all that happened. He didn't fall to the floor or anything, but you know, it did help with the technical foul that Jokic got. That was a point for uh Phoenix. The fact that it thwarted that five-on-four situation might have saved a couple more points. I don't think you want to be empowering owners to have an active role like that. I know there are a number of owners who do sit right along, you know, right courtside. And so, you know, if they're going to just happen to stretch their leg out and trip a guy as he's running down, I mean, there needed to be some sense that the owner was out of line too. But it would have been a travesty if they had uh, suspended Jokic. I mean, basically ending right. the series. Yeah. So, um, and you know, this was no situation of an angry uh, player going after a heckler or anything like that at all. It was, uh, he wanted to play basketball and the Phoenix owner had the basketball wrapped up in his arms and, and he tried to get it out and clear space to do so. So um yeah, I'm I'm glad. I mean, people need to move on. Um yeah. not everything is a uh you know, not everything is a felony. We 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 do have misdemeanors. Yeah, when I hear about owners it reminds me uh early on uh, in my career is calling the New Jersey Nets. Uh and I did get they do games on the road by myself. So we go to Utah. And I'm, there was a car dealer, Miller I think was his last name. I forget his first name. The owner? Larry. Yeah, Larry Miller, right. Yeah. This is during the Malone-Stockton era. Yeah. And, and the, the Nets were no match for them. And by halftime, it was a 30-point game. So I'm thinking to myself, yeah, well, what am I going to do the second half? I can't just call the game. The game's over. So I look across the court, and there's Larry Miller sitting with every conceivable thing that you could buy at the refreshment stand in front of him. <laughs> yeah, he, he had a big bucket of popcorn. He had drink. He had uh, w- whatever. He had everything in front of him. So I decided it might be a good idea to do play by play of Larry Miller eating. <laughs> so I, that was my. Now I'm sitting all around me are Utah Jazz fans, and they're getting the biggest kick out of this. They're laughing. Oh, good. Yeah. yeah. Well, the team was winning, obviously, so they found something to laugh at. Nice. So the game's over, and they wind up, and Utah winds up winning by 35. We come back from the road trip, and I'm walking through the Nets' offices, and the president of the team at the time was Bob Cassiola, who hired me. And he stopped me as I'm walking through the office. He said, hey, you got a minute? 
And I go, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. Yeah, really? <laughs> I walk into his office. He goes, I heard the Utah game the other night. I said, yeah. He goes, laughed my ass off. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I said, I said, okay, now I'm, I'm cool about this thing. But look, it's, this is a league that I really enjoy this league for a number of reasons. And you always see surprises come the postseason. Milwaukee getting knocked out, the number one seed, obviously, is a surprise. Uh, if Phoenix winds up beating Denver, I don't think that'll be a surprise. Not when you've got Durant oh. and and Booker to deal with. Right. So, I mean, they, they go to game five tonight. Uh, who do you like in the series? You know, I, I because of that star power and because of the way Devin Booker has played off Kevin Durant, who is continuing to uh, play at a star level himself, um, it's hard for me to uh, – um, to go against uh, Phoenix right now. I, I mean, I thought, I thought at the end of last season, they should have been, you know, a favorite and done better than they did gotten back to the finals, at least from the previous year when Milwaukee um, beat them in the championship round, they had a great regular season. It didn't translate Dallas uh, upset them. Um, and, and so I thought that, you know, Phoenix had all the makings and then they add, uh, Kevin Durant. Now they lost some depth. They lost some valuable pieces, no doubt about it. But uh, with rotations tighter, shorter in the postseason, um, I think they have enough. Uh, if they're able to get past Denver with Chris Paul absence, ab absent or hobbled with the groin injury, um, I think there'd be enough time for uh, you know him to to get better and and face the winner of uh, Lakers um, Warriors in the next round. And, and even then it, it would be a lower seed that they would be playing. They would have home court um, every day or game that passes. Paul has a better chance of returning. So um, I like Denver now, or excuse me, I like Phoenix now. And, um, you know, I like them to get to the finals if they get past the Nuggets. Look, I, I really enjoy the Nuggets and it's good to see them having this season, the, uh, the success team wise, Jokic won his MVPs, even though their, their record was not stellar. And I felt like, um, you know, he really needed to lead the team success and, and get, and they got the number one seed. And so that's what they needed. And he was getting the help with, with uh, Michael Porter Jr. With the uh, Jamal Murray and, and some of the others there, you know, Bruce Brown, very unheralded. I liked him when he was a net. Um, but, you know, it, it, that's fun to see. And if, if it was a Denver team in the finals, I think that would be really intriguing as well. I'd be happy to go spend the days there that, that we would have to uh, in Denver. So, um, yeah, I, I think the winner of that series will uh, represent the West in the finals. Um, I happen to think it'll be Phoenix, but um, I, I've lost count of how often I've been wrong. Yeah, well, Phoenix Lakers would be a hell of a series. A lot of star power there. Uh, you got you're in Boston to cover Philly Boston tonight. Does Boston uh, uh, profit from the mistake of not, of having no timeout and and giving a game away? Do they go back? You know, let's face it, they're in Boston tonight. Right. You would think they would have somewhat of an advantage, but I see this thing going seven games. Yeah, I do too. And as a, as a guy who's looking around a suitcase full of dirty clothes. Um, yeah. You know, I keep hoping something will give, but it doesn't. So I would expect Boston to win tonight. Um, 
they seem to snap back into uh, focus once after each loss. And um, but in terms of closing out the series, uh, they didn't do a good job when they had an opportunity to really take a, a commanding 3-1 lead and uh, going back to Philly for game six. It could be the same type of result, pushing everybody back here on Sunday uh, to Boston. Do me a favor. Go out of your hotel. Go to the North End. Go to Paglou's restaurant. Tell Joey I asked for him. He's the owner. Joey. Okay. <laughs> yeah. There are Joey a few Pag Joey's in this town. Yeah, yeah, a lot, right? Joey, yeah. Paglou, a great restaurant. It's not a big restaurant. Maybe they have 18 tables in the whole place. But the food's tremendous. And the North End is, man... That this is, is a tip. That's paradise. Yeah. <laughs> All, right. All right. Enjoy the game tonight, Steve. Thanks again for your time and your insight. You got it, Howard. Talk to you later. You too. He's Steve Ashburner of NBA.com. Uh, he's got the uh, covering the Philadelphia-Boston series tonight in Boston, which should be very, very interesting. A couple of thoughts uh, as we move on. Uh, I look at this Laker team. And I said it before, I like LeBron James a lot. A lot of people don't, for whatever the reason. All I know is that he is a monster. You look at the sides of this guy. Okay, he's 38 years old. And what's the point? He's playing an extremely high level. Is, is he going to put up 40 every night? No. He doesn't have to. He's got Anthony Davis. He's got... Uh, and Rashad Moore, he's got, I mean, he's he's got so much talent around him that I would not be the least bit surprised if the Lakers go to the Western Final. Well, obviously they're ahead three games to one, but I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if they go to the NBA Finals. To me, at this stage, every team's a good team, so we're going to see two really good teams in the finals. A word about. Guys in my profession that cover this. Charles Barkley went off the other night. Now he works for TNT and TBS. Works for Turner. So why in the world would he acknowledge Stephen A. Smith, who works for ESPN, about some comments he made? Why would you do that? Why would you promote somebody from a rival network? And Stephen A. Smith, to me, he's all about he's all about the the the, the reaction. Uh, he's a loudmouth guy. It comes with a lot of opinions, and that's what he's being paid for. I recognize that. I don't agree with most of what he says. He's out and out rooting for the Knicks on the air. There's no doubt about it. So. You know, and Mike Greenberg, also from ESPN, roots outwardly for the New York Jets. Okay, do I have a problem with that? No, I really don't. But if you're going to do, if you're going to make your comments just for the reaction, just for the headlines, just for the note in some sports columnist, TV radio columnist around the country, then you're doing it all for the wrong reasons. Uh, look. I think there are times when you venture your opinion. Absolutely, I do it. But I will not out and out root for a team on the air because I think that that questions your credentials. That's just my opinion. 
I'm looking for, I think, a Laker-Phoenix-Western final would be huge. It wouldn't be that much different if Denver was in there against the Lakers. It's, it's too, too, you got Jokic, two-time MVP. You got LeBron, you got Anthony Davis and the rest of the Lakers. In the Eastern Conference, I'm going to say something. I probably should have said this to Steve Ashburner a little while ago. I think it's imperative for Philadelphia to knock Boston out. I don't know that they will. I'm saying it's imperative. Because if they don't get to the Eastern Final, I think Doc Rivers has got a problem. Just my opinion. I really do. I think he's got to come away this season with at least a trip to the Finals. Win or lose, doesn't matter. He's got to get to the finals some way, shape, or form. Do I think he's going to get there? No, I don't. I think Boston's going to wind up knocking out Philadelphia. I think they win game five tonight and take a 3-2 lead. And I wouldn't be surprised if they went back to Philly and beat them there. They haven't beaten game four. They let the game get away. I'm just making a statement based on what I see. And what I see is Miami closing out the Knicks. And I think they do it tonight at Ma- uh, tomorrow night at Madison Square Garden. I really do. Everybody says, well, it's tough to win to the Garden. Really? And how come the Knicks are down three games to one? Are the Knicks working hard enough? Yeah, I think they are. I'm not going to question whether or not they're trying, because I think they are. They just, I think Thibodeau's pushing the wrong buttons. And I think Eric Spolstra is out coaching him in every possible way. And I'm not shocked. And no disrespect, Thibodeau. I think Spolstra is that good. I think he's an outstanding defensive coach first, and everybody is buying in. And the way Jimmy Butler is playing right now, Jimmy Buckets, you got to like Miami's chances. Now, you go to the Eastern Finals against Boston, that will be a fist fight. That will be something to watch. And I think it's going to wind up being just that. I'm Howard David. Thanks for being a part of the program. And you stay safe. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.